This is the JT and Looney Podcast, Episode 7. Great to have you back in the JT and Looney Podcast. I'm JT. Looney is off for this one. He's been doing a lot of traveling. I've been doing a tremendous amount of radio. We're coming together with the JT and Looney Podcast. And we want to begin by thanking everyone for the downloads. We're in the launch phase of this podcast. So we're trying to get the downloads up. We're trying to get the five-star ratings. And we appreciate all of the great listeners, our family, our friends, everyone, our new subscribers who are listening to the podcast. And we got a lot of big news coming up. So again, thank you for everything that you do for us. In the month of February, heading into March, it's interesting in sports because there's not a lot happening, especially in the NFL after the Super Bowl. And in baseball, everybody's ramping up from the winter meetings that were in Vegas all the way to spring training. But I want to bring together on this edition of the podcast, football and baseball. And what happened with Patriots owner Robert Kraft and Bryce Harper and his signing with the Philadelphia Phillies. Bryce Harper is a Philadelphia Philly. It is official. 13 years, $330 million. It becomes the most expensive deal in the history of North American sports, Major League Baseball, and Bryce Harper, not per season, but overall for the life of the contract, is the highest paid baseball player of all time. And I agree with that. I live in Vegas where Bryce Harper lives, and I remember when he was 16 years old, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as the chosen one the best young baseball player in the world. And think about that pressure at that point in his life, to be 16 on the cover of Sports Illustrated and being compared to the next LeBron James. The great athletes who appeared on Sports Illustrated as cover boys, from Muhammad Ali to Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky. A tremendous amount of pressure for a young Bryce Harper. Fast forward to 2019, and he's the highest paid player of all time. So as we begin, congratulations to Bryce Harper, his parents, for making him the player that he was. He's lived up to all the hype and all the expectations from the time he was a little boy where they talked about him being a professional baseball player at the age of 12 or 13. He didn't have to go to college. He was ready to play professional baseball as early as 17 and had to wait to become 19 to play again. So I'm a Bryce Harper fan. I believe he deserves this. His agent, Scott Boris, was able to get him the deal that he wanted, or maybe he didn't want this deal. I don't think that Bryce Harper wanted to be a Philly. I just think his agent, Scott Boris, wanted him to become the highest paid baseball player of all time, and that's what agents do. And that's the job of an agent, is to protect their client or clients and get them the best deal available. And that was the goal of Scott Boris as these negotiations began. And I figured they were gonna be a long drawn out negotiation. That's the way it is in baseball at times, because certain players deserve more, and there's gonna be more of a negotiation. And when it came to Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper was that type of player who needed to remain patient. But Bryce Harper also got screwed because of current market conditions. Just like the stock market, or just like the real estate market, the market collapsed on Bryce Harper recently, where the Yankees really weren't in play. The world champion Boston Red Sox were never in the market. The best team in baseball, they were not competing for Bryce Harper. 
And even the Chicago Cubs, who recently won a World Series, said that they were out of the Bryce Harper sweepstakes because they didn't want to go over the luxury tax, and they spent a lot of money over the last few years. you got to give them credit. No team has spent more money over the last five years than the Chicago Cubs. Then you add in the other teams that weren't interested, and there were a lot of them. The Houston Astros, a great team, not interested at all. They love their roster. You add in the teams that always cry poverty from Oakland to Tampa Bay. Seattle wasn't interested, Milwaukee. So it drove down the market for Bryce Harper, a superstar who deserved to have multiple teams bidding for him. The first team I heard about was the Chicago White Sox. And the White Sox were interested. And they had all the money in the world to do a deal for either Manny Machado, who I'll get to, or Harper. And they told everybody that they had it. But both players weren't interested in playing on the south side of Chicago. They weren't interested. It's a down franchise. It's not in the best part of Chicago. And neither player wanted to play there, which is fine. But Chicago was in. And then we heard about other teams that wanted to jump in. But no team had more money than the Philadelphia Phillies. Right out of the gate, they made it clear that they wanted Bryce Harper, and they were willing to go 10 years. There was even a rumor that San Diego was interested in Bryce Harper. And I want to apologize to my great friends in San Diego because I mocked the Padres. They don't spend money. They're operated like a minor league team most of the time. And they were interested. They had a true interest in Bryce Harper, but they used their resources to go get Manny Machado on a 10-year deal. So it was the Phillies for a while. But then the West Coast started to talk because Bryce is a Vegas guy and everybody thought his lifestyle would bring him out West. So the San Francisco Giants showed interest and the Los Angeles Dodgers seemed to become the front runner when they flew out from Los Angeles, their contingency to sit down with Bryce Harper and everything changed from a Monday, Tuesday to an eventual Thursday, Friday at the end of February once the Dodgers got in it. I think the Dodgers kicked the tires. They were very interested in doing it. But when it came down to the ultimate deal, Philadelphia blew Bryce Harper away with a 13-year deal with no opt-out and no trade clause. So the question becomes now, can he live up to the contract? Can he play in Philadelphia? Will he get along with the fans? Will he put up big numbers? And will he win a championship let alone multiple championships. Because Bryce Harper reportedly was offered almost $43 million a year, at least over 40 a year, to do a shorter-term deal with the Dodgers, but he didn't do that. Again, because his agent, Scott Boris, did not want to do a short-term deal. He wanted to break a record. So all week on radio, before we produced this podcast, I've been talking about Harper and the comparables. Just like a comp in real estate, how much is he really worth? Well, in anything in life, you're worth what someone pays you. And that's it. It could be Macaulay Culkin getting $10 million to be in a movie when he's 11 years old. Clooney and DiCaprio, it could be, hey, what is Lady Gaga going to do at her residency in Vegas? Whatever she can get, she deserves. And we see that all the time in sports. But Bryce Harper was coming off an off year. In 2018 for the Washington Nationals, he batted 249. On the year, 249, had 34 home runs, 100 RBIs, and he struck out 169 times. The most before that was 131. So everyone would say that Bryce had a down year as he was going into free agency. And as I explained, in a down market where a lot of other teams didn't want to participate. 
But you see, Bryce Harper is the face of baseball, or at least he wants to be the face of baseball. Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, plays for the Anaheim Angels that now call themselves the L.A. Angels because no one's interested in Anaheim. And Mike Trout isn't interested in becoming the face of baseball. He doesn't want to do TV interviews. He's not a hot dog. He doesn't want to grow out his hair. He doesn't want to showcase his talents off the diamond. And that's fine for Mike Trout because Mike Trout backs it up with the numbers. So Bryce Harper steps in at Home Run Derby this past season, puts on a show. He's on the cover of magazines. He's high profile in Vegas at hockey games and college basketball games. He's out there selling his brand and selling his sport. But again, coming off a bad year. So as Scott Boris was shopping him around Major League Baseball, I think a lot of people resisted and said, what Bryce Harper are we going to get? At the age of 25, he batted 249. But his best year was in 2015 when he was the National League MVP. In that year, which I think is the key to this conversation and podcast on Bryce Harper, that should be the baseline of the rest of his career. As the MVP that season, he had 42 home runs. He had an incredible 124 walks, a 460 on-base percentage, a 649 slugging percentage, and became the MVP because of his 118 runs. He was brilliant, the complete baseball player. And he would have won the MVP in 2017 if he didn't slip and jack up his knee and hyperextend his knee on a wet first base where he would have had his second MVP in 2017. So that's where Harper is. When I look at him and I debate these issues about his numbers, I go back to the 2015 year where he's only 22 years old. He came into the league at 19. At 22, he already won an MVP. And I think that had a lot to do with the $330 million contract. Before that, the biggest one was Giancarlo Stanton when he went to the Marlins on a deal that was $325 million. Some of that paid for on the back end as he moved to the Yankees. So this is big for Harper. He is now the most expensive player out there. And I believe a guy who's going to do really well in Philadelphia. Now, if you don't like Bryce Harper, you compare him to other players. I compared him to the ultimate comp, the player that I think he best resembles at the age of 26. And it's Reggie Jackson, one of my heroes. Reggie is one of the greatest baseball players and most famous baseball players, a Hall of Famer of all time. He broke into Major League Baseball in 1967 and only played in 35 games. So his real rookie year was 1968 with the Oakland Athletics in the American League. He struck out 171 times and batted 250 that year and had 29 home runs. But it was Reggie's iconic year of 1969. He was 23 years old. He scored 123 runs. He hit 47 home runs, 118 RBIs. And that's the year he batted 275. But Reggie stormed onto the scenes in Oakland as the best young slugger in all of baseball. Very comparable, I believe, to Bryce Harper. And then 1970. He went from 47 home runs to 23, then 32, then to 25. And when he was 27 years old, which Bryce Harper will be next year, he hit 32 home runs with 117 RBI. He's the comp. He's the comparable. 
How about this for a fun fact? Reggie Jackson, as I just said, with his 47 home runs in 1969, how many more years do you think it took for Reggie to hit 40 home runs again? Not 50, not 60, not 73 like Bonds. It took Reggie over a decade until 1980 with the New York Yankees where he hit 41 home runs. And you don't hear this criticism of Reggie Jackson. You don't hear about Reggie being overrated when Reggie had up years and down years. But the key to Reggie Jackson was he became famous in October. Mr. October with the Yankees in 77 and 78 and those great years and what he accomplished around the world leading the Yankees and winning multiple World Series. That's where Reggie became iconic. And that's what Bryce Harper is going to have to do if he's going to go down as one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Uh, Quickly, I compared Bryce at a young age to Mickey Mantle and Henry Aaron. And I went out to a lot of players. And Mickey Mantle came onto the scene. And I think it's really important to mention he did something that Bryce Harper did. Or Bryce did something that Mickey did. They both started at 19. Think about how tough it is to become a big leaguer or a professional in whatever you do. At the age of 19, Mickey in his rookie year in 1951 had 13 home runs and 65 RBIs, but he started building with the Yankees until his iconic year of 1956. You remember that the M&M gang, 52 home runs, 130 RBIs, multiple MVPs. And he did that at the age of 24. So the comps and the comparables are really similar. But the final one that I want to get to is Barry Bonds. Because Bryce could have ended up in San Francisco as a member of the Giants. And his numbers the rest of his life in San Francisco would have been comparable to Bonds. Bonds broke in as a rookie in 1986 at the age of 21. Very impressive. And in that year, had 16 home runs and 48 RBIs. In 87 with Pittsburgh, his home runs went up to 25, then 24, went down to 19. And at the age of 25, he hit 33. And at Bryce Harper's age of 26, he hit 34. I just mentioned what Bryce did this past year with almost identical numbers. But then Barry Bonds, who had a great year in San Francisco in 1993, when he hit 46 home runs, became the greatest cheater in baseball history. Bryce is young. He's 26 years old. When Barry Bonds got to the age of 35 years old, where most baseball players are on the back end of their prime, Bonds became iconic. He hit 49 home runs, then 73 home runs at the age of 36, and then back-to-back years of 46 and 45 before in 2004, at the age of 39 years old, Barry Bonds hit 45 home runs again. So when you think of Barry Bonds and 762 home runs, most of them were done by cheating and knowingly taking performance-enhancing drugs. No one will debate that anymore, even the greatest homers in San Francisco. Bryce Harper won't be able to do that. He'll be scrutinized like every baseball player today because of the enhanced drug testing, nor that I'd ever think that Bryce Harper would consider taking performance-enhancing drugs. But Harper's now tied together with Henry Aaron, Mickey Mantle, Barry Bonds, and all the greats who ever played the game 
because he's making $330 million over 13 years. Do you think he deserves it? Most people say no. Who can deserve money like that? But I disagree. I believe at 26 years old, he deserves that type of money because of the revenue stream in baseball. It's now a multi-billion dollar sport where the guys in the 50s, 60s, and 70s rarely made any money. I talked to the great Pete Rose earlier in the week who told me his first big free agent contract was when he went to the Phillies. Pete Rose was playing for the big red machine on one-year contracts, on short-term deals, getting 200 hits every year and not knowing what he was going to make the following year. Bryce Harper traded that in. He decided he didn't want to sign one- and two-year deals. He signed a 13-year deal to protect his family and to protect him from an injury if an injury shows up down the road. So for Bryce Harper, I think this is an incredible moment for him in baseball. But the bigger issue is now he goes to Philadelphia, one of the toughest markets to play in all of baseball or in any sport, famous for booing Santa Claus and running athletes out of town. If Bryce Harper doesn't play at an MVP level in Philadelphia, this will end about as ugly as any contract in the history of sports because Philly doesn't let you breathe. They don't. They won't let you get go through a slump. If you miss the playoffs in multiple years or strike out with the bases loaded, they'll make you pay for it in Philadelphia. They don't do that in certain markets. If he played for the Diamondbacks who want to win or if he played for the Royals or if he played for any other team out there, the fans would bend with Bryce Harper, but they wouldn't break. The fans in Philadelphia will break you if you don't live up to the hype. So Bryce is saying all the right things. He's happy about the job security. His family is going to be comfortable in Philadelphia, even though his primary residence will be in Las Vegas. But he's going to have to deliver like he should. And I believe he will. I think he'll win multiple MVPs. And I think he'll probably win multiple championships. Because if he doesn't win at least two, it's a failure. One championship over 13 years is not going to cut it in Philly. No chance. He's got to win more than one. But in baseball, you don't know. You need pitching. You need a closer. You need a lot of things to happen in baseball to bring it all together. Baseball is a chemistry sport. It's a clubhouse sport. It's a long season. And you got to stay healthy, and the team's got to be on the same page. So for Bryce Harper, I think the baseline is going to be this. This is the number that I have. I think he's going to have to average over 40 home runs. And he's already had a 42-home run season, as I mentioned, when he was 22 years old. So I think he'll be able to do that. I think Bryce is going to have to average over 110 to 115 RBI a year. Because throughout his career, he just had 100 RBI. And in his MVP season, he had 99. That won't cut it. He's playing in a bandbox in a small stadium. He should be able to hit 20 home runs in the first half, 20-plus in the second half, and that should add up to at least, with his slugging percentage, over 110, maybe 120 RBI. When it comes to a batting average, I'm not that concerned about it. His career average is 279. His high is 330, but he's coming off his worst year at 249. 
So I think if he bats between 280 and 290 as a slugger, he'll live up to that. And then if he does all this, everything I expect because I'm rooting for the kid, I think that Bryce Harper will retire a Philadelphia Philly. His number three will be retired in a class move because the Phillies are going to retire Roy Halladay's number, which is smart, the number that Bryce wore with the Nationals. And we'll see Bryce Harper go into the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown with a Phillies cap on, and he'll go down as one of the great baseball players of all time. I think he'll have over 600 home runs in the life of his career. He's already got 184, which is an impressive number. At the same time, Barry Bonds, when you look at his numbers and what he was able to do, had 176. So Bryce is ahead. And Mickey Mantle had 207 home runs at the same age. So Bryce could fall in that category. But it all, it's all going to come down to how happy is he going to be in his personal life. Money will accomplish that for him. But will he be comfortable in that environment in Philadelphia? We'll wait and see. But I'm rooting for you, Bryce. I think a lot of other fans are rooting for you. But you're going to have to live up to it. Play every day. Play balls out in a city that expects you to give 150%, not 120 or 100, and just respect the game of baseball and win. If he does that, you'll remember this podcast and what I said about Bryce Harper because I think he has a chance to be one of the top two or three players of his entire era and be one of the top players of all time. Friday, February 22nd, the Jupiter Police Department gave us case filing packets stemming from their prostitution sting. After review by our intake prosecutors, we are charging 25 individuals with soliciting another to commit prostitution. That is Dave Arenberg, the Palm Beach County State Attorney. Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots, is in big trouble. People are making fun of Robert Kraft, the billionaire owner of the New England Patriots. Hand jive, happy endings. What happened in regards to being charged with two counts of solicitation of prostitutions for his behavior inside the Orchids of Asia Day Spa in Jupiter, Florida? I've been covering sports for well over two decades, and this is one of the biggest stories I've covered in a short period of time because it deals with the brand of the NFL the successful brand of the New England Patriots and their six world championships, and also a guy in Robert Kraft who has done so much good in his life compared to this personal transgression and the legal situation he currently finds himself in, that everybody at this point in time is trying to figure out what's going to happen. And why would Bob Kraft be so reckless and do something so stupid? The media coverage has been all over the place, led by Sports Illustrated, who I think is doing an incredible job with their coverage from Jenny Varentes and everybody behind the scenes, their reporters who have been out covering this story. And I think a lot of people don't understand the reason behind this investigation and this charge against Robert Kraft at that one particular day spa where also 24 other men were charged. 24 men plus Robert Kraft, 25 with formal charges. Now, this, does, this has nothing to do with an elderly man going into a day spa for obvious reasons 
looking to relax and have a good time. This is about something much bigger, everyone. It's about human trafficking and sex trafficking, something that we should all learn more about. And it's out there. There's been profiles on this on 60 Minutes. People have talked about it in the past on Vice News. There have been cover stories at the Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine on this topic, but no one really understands it, especially young men who frequent day spas and are soliciting sex. But now we're going to be able to tie Robert Kraft into this story forever. Now let's begin by saying that Robert Kraft has pleaded innocent to these charges. They categorically deny that Robert Kraft did anything wrong. Even though a police affidavit came down, and it's fact, not fiction. The police throughout those several counties, along with the chief of police of Jupiter, Florida, were so buttoned up when they came out with these charges and held their first press conference that I said to myself, Kraft is dead to rights. Because there's no way these cops are going to have a press conference and have more than one and take questions from the media unless they're buttoned up, unless they're sure that they have a rock-solid case, not only against Robert Kraft, but all the other men who are charged in this case. And this was an eight-month-long investigation into human trafficking. What happened was there was a complaint about the conditions of this day spa, Orchids of Asia. So the police checked in on it, and when they were there, that they noticed that the hygiene wasn't good, that people were possibly living there, and they weren't able to leave. What's happening with this story is that you have to go back to the root of human trafficking. Women were coming over from China looking for real jobs. They wanted to be hotel workers. They wanted to work in the restaurant industry. They came into this line of work, and they were forced to stay. No transportation. They weren't allowed to leave the day spas without an escort. So it looks to be entrapment, and they had to live this life. And that's sex trafficking tied to human trafficking. And all Bob Kraft did is he walked into the wrong door. He walked into the wrong door. Men do this every day in every city or suburb in America. And it's illegal, except for in Nevada at a certain spot. And Robert Kraft should have used his head and not walked into that day spa knowing that he could have been under video surveillance. But he wasn't thinking. And what's incredible about this whole story is the timeline for Robert Kraft. When we started to put the story together on radio, and I wanted to get on the podcast and talk about it, I couldn't believe that Robert Kraft would be so reckless. On Saturday, January 19th, he arrived at the day spa in Jupiter, Florida at 4.45 p.m. That was a Saturday early evening. But here's the key. On Sunday, the day of the AFC championship game, where the Patriots were playing in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium, Robert Kraft, under video surveillance, according to the Florida State Attorney, walked into the Orchids of Asia Day Spa at 10.59 a.m. and left at 11.14 a.m. Roughly 15 minutes for the whole transaction and the experience before he left to get into a Bentley driven car waiting for him. He obviously went right to the airport and was in attendance for the 6.40 p.m. Eastern game, the AFC championship game in Kansas City. 
I mean, that's mind-blowing to me. I travel with an NFL team, and the NFL owner is on the ground with the team when the team plane lands. So if the game's on Sunday and you fly in on Friday afternoon or even Saturday morning if it's regional, the ownership is there at the team hotel conducting business. There's meetings, there's walkthroughs. And then the game, you travel with the team on the team bus to the game, and the owner is usually with a police escort heading to the game. Robert Kraft on game day was in a day spa where he was charged two counts for solicitation of prostitution. You want to talk about a guy who had no intention on getting busted eventually or getting these charges or who even thought about video surveillance You would have thought that Robert Kraft was in a rush and a panic to get to Kansas City. What happens if there was a problem with this private jet, a mechanical problem? What happens if one of the pilots became ill and they had to replace him? Would he have showed up for the game late? It really shows you that he had no concern in losing the game because they ended up winning the Super Bowl and he must have been that confident that he wouldn't be with the team and he was on the other coast in Jupiter, Florida. But going back to this incident and what happened here, it became a complaint because of the conditions surrounding human trafficking. And that's the big picture. That's what we got to learn from the story. Robert Kraft's got high price attorneys. He might be able to someday in the near future get off on these charges or plead down. It's a misdemeanor. I don't expect Robert Kraft to go to jail. I don't expect this to be an issue with Robert Kraft when it comes to a legal sense of him spending time in jail. It's a slap on the wrist, especially with the fine. But the key issue is Robert Kraft now will be tied to one of the most embarrassing moments in NFL ownership history, and Roger Goodell in the league has to do something about that. Remember, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Irsay, was suspended six games and fined $500,000 for a DUI charge as he was driving under the influence of drugs, opioids, and he raised awareness for it, and it was a big story at the time. But so far, there's been nothing bigger than Jerry Richardson, the former owner of the Panthers, the only former player to own an NFL team. He was fined $2.75 million for sexual harassment and workplace misconduct, and he was forced to sell the team. And I tie that into the great reporting of Sports Illustrated and SI.com that they were the leaders covering that story, the same group that's covering the Robert Kraft story. So it's illegal to solicit or induce another person for sexual activities in the state of Florida. The state of Florida believes that they have Robert Kraft nailed on this. They have the timeline there, and they have the video surveillance Why was there video surveillance? Because they got a warrant to put cameras in multiple day spas because they knew there was prostitution going on and human trafficking. And once they put together an eight-month investigation and they had their I's dotted and their T's crossed and they felt like they had enough evidence, they went forward with the charges. And it was very easy for them to do that. But incredible to me that Robert Kraft would do this. Look, whenever something happens in your home, or in your bedroom. I have no interest in it at all. But once it gets on the homepage of TMZ, it becomes our business, and we're all aware of that. So the debate on sports radio, and I'll throw it in here on the podcast, is what to do with Robert Kraft going forward. Should he have to sell his team, 
or transfer ownership to his son, Jonathan. Let's touch on that. We have the blueprint with Jerry Richardson. If you can tie Jerry Richardson into sexual harassment and workplace misconduct, I think they're going to try to tie Robert Kraft into human trafficking and sex trafficking. So he's got a big problem to worry about. But I don't think he's going to lose his team. Because I think Robert Kraft has done so much more good and great things than he has done bad things, including what happened at this day spa. His late wife, Myra, and he donated millions upon millions of dollars to local charities, including the Jimmy Fund in Boston. The work that Robert Kraft has done in Israel, bringing the NFL to Israel, he's been awarded for those great, great accomplishments. He is a humanitarian. He is a philanthropist. He has done so many good things. Think about the, not hundreds, but thousands of employees he's had throughout his career, and you haven't heard a peep, either at Foxborough, Gillette Stadium. When you look at the real estate surrounding that, all the people that work for the Patriots, the men and women who work for that organization, and they all look up to Robert Kraft because he's been a great owner. He's helped other owners in the NFL secure stadiums, When it comes to relocation and expansion, the television rights with Jerry Jones. When I'm talking about the NFL and ownership on the radio, it's typically about either Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft. Those are the two owners that move the needle the most. If you want anything to get done in the NFL from inside the other ownerships, you have to go to Jerry Jones or Kraft because they have the most pull. A combined nine Super Bowls. But you remember last year, Jerry Jones got a gold jacket. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's because of what Jerry's done as a businessman and the model of the Dallas Cowboys, the most expensive franchise in the NFL, and what he's done for the league on top of the three Super Bowls. Robert Kraft was at the doorsteps of Canton, Ohio, ready for his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This has to now slow down that process. I still think Kraft goes in. Not everybody in the Hall of Fame is an exceptional, exceptional citizen, but Robert Kraft has a big black eye in 2019, and I think it's going to stay with him at the age of 77 and could keep him out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame for several years to come. And believe me, when you get to that age, there's a lot of Hall of Famers that get in on the back end of their life, and they were Hall of Famers long ago. But because of the politics of football, they didn't get in. Well, I can promise you the politics of Robert Kraft's latest incident will keep him out of the Hall of Fame longer than expected. And then what happens to his image going forward? You know, I believe that everybody should have the opportunity to apologize and heal and move forward. Robert Kraft is doing just the opposite. He's completely denying these charges as they have him under video surveillance, and he was clearly there. And the Jupiter... The Jupiter chief of police gave a brilliant press conference explaining everything that they have on Robert Kraft, but he'll have his day in court. So by pleading innocent, he is just keeping the story in the mainstream media for months to come. He purchased the Patriots in 1994 and now has six Super Bowl rings, but he'll also be remembered and it will never be forgotten that he was charged with two counts of solicitation of prostitution. And again, it's a really serious topic. I came in with the music because everybody's mocking it, and I wanted to tie it in here at the end of the podcast on how such a serious matter this is. 
I think Robert Kraft did a great service to America when he got pinched in this scheme and this eight-month-long investigation. Because I think there's going to be a lot of young guys in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and older men, the next time they pull into a day spa, are going to say, I'm going to pull out of here. I'm going to leave. I'm not going to walk inside. Because there could be video surveillance. One of the women that I interact with could be a woman who's not able to leave this environment and was brought here illegally through human trafficking. There's a really good chance that could happen. And I took a lot of calls on this and talked about it. You would think that the majority or many of the prostitutes that are in this business are there on their own will. They choose to do this for the money, and they want to make the money, and they're not there because of human trafficking. It doesn't matter. All it takes is one or a small percentage of women who are living in this environment and want to get out, but they don't have the opportunity to do that. That's what Robert Kraft is currently tied to. And even if he clears his name, people will remember that he went into the Orchids of Asia Day Spa for that type of service when he didn't need to do it. So again, 77-year-old who's going to have to fight to clear his name. I think Roger Goodell, this gets really good, because you remember Deflategate, and I remember the tuck rule, and I remember Spygate. Oh, you remember a guy by the name of Aaron Hernandez and who he played for? That would be the New England Patriots. And now another embarrassing, not ugly, embarrassing incident for the NFL to deal with. A lot of people thought that Robert Kraft wanted to get rid of Roger Goodell because of what he did to Tom Brady. As Tom Brady was involved with Deflategate, tried to clear his name in federal court and wasn't able to do that and was suspended for four games. That will stay with Tom Brady the rest of his life as Brady will enter Canton, Ohio and the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the only legendary quarterback and arguably the greatest player of all time who served a four-game suspension because of Deflategate. And that drove Robert Kraft crazy to the point where we all wondered if he was going to get rid of Goodell. Now Kraft needs Goodell, and Goodell knows it. So what will Roger do? Will he do everything to protect Robert Kraft, or will he do the right thing and launch an investigation into what happened here? Because Roger Goodell has a much bigger budget than the police authorities in that area of Florida and all those different counties. They have a budget that's voted on. They have to pay for police officers, police cars. They have budgets, health insurance. Not the case for Roger Goodell. He has an unlimited budget that he could use to run a more thorough investigation into human trafficking and sex trafficking tied to this incident with Robert Kraft. Because money is no object, and he can go on with his investigation as long as he wants. So Robert Kraft is in big trouble. He could be forced to sell his team or at least transfer ownership to his son and be forced out of football if he wasn't able to clear his name for literally walking into the Orchids of Asia Day Spa for 15 minutes, peeling off a $100 bill and another 100 for a tip with a baseball cap on and sunglasses to get in a Bentley to get to a private airport to go to the AFC championship game. You want to talk about a guy who wasn't thinking clearly or at least was so relaxed before he went in and leaving the day spa that he never thought he was walking in. Hi, 
You're on candid camera, Mr. Kraft, and this could define your legacy for such a great career and one of the great leaders inside and outside the NFL. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the JT and Looney podcast. We got several more on deck. Please give us a review, share it with everybody else, and we'll be back for another edition. Thanks so much for listening to the JT and Looney podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.